All right, welcome to Center Ice, everybody. My name is Mac. With me, as always, is Matt. The season gets underway tonight, and we're bringing you four special shows previewing each division. So we're going to start with the Metropolitan Division. We thought about doing the Atlantic, but we're very familiar with the Atlantic, so why not try something different? The Metropolitan Division, but first of all, again, hockey season is back. It's been a it's been a long off season with baseball, football, everything in between, but finally we get to watch some hockey. I am so relieved and so excited. It really is the most wonderful time of the year. Absolutely. I've been waiting for hockey season since April, and I know you've been waiting for hockey season since the end of April, so it's good to be able to watch your team. I know Stanley Cup playoffs, you and I, Really enjoyed them last year, and we love the Stanley Cup final with the Blues run to the Cup, but just not the same when it's not your team playing. And now, Sens are playing the Leafs tonight. I think that's a perfect way to open the season. No matter how either team is doing, there's always a good rivalry there, so it'll be a great to drop the puck at 7 o'clock tonight. Yeah, not only that, but there's some good matchups tonight. You've got... The St. Louis Blues taking on the Washington Capitals. Those two teams, of course, won the Stanley Cup the last two seasons. Vancouver and Edmonton will be interesting because I think you've got a team that Edmonton, which is maybe the same or worse, and Vancouver, I would say, much improved. And really one of the best rivalries in the NHL, San Jose versus Vegas, is the late game. And don't forget, you know, I'm not... A huge advocate of MLB, but MLB playoffs is really fun. There's the wild card game tonight, Tampa Bay versus Oakland. I'm hoping I'll get to watch some of that. Uh, I'm definitely going to make it a priority. Uh, Yeah, and uh, as much as you and I are big hockey fans, you and I will both admit we don't watch below games to the end. So if it's 3-0 either way, we'll probably tune out, but doesn't stop us from giving you a good analysis (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh let's get to it first of all we want to remind you that center ice is a member of the national podcast network you can follow them on twitter at national pod net and you can also find them in your browser at nationalpodcast.network plenty of other great podcasts from all our colleagues there check them out i'm sure you'll love them so the Metropolitan Division is a very tight division, to say the least. A lot of good teams. So I say we start at the top. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. And might as well start with the only Metropolitan team that's playing tonight, as a matter of fact, the Washington Capitals. Yeah, the Capitals, I mean, they're. I think they would tell you that they're uh, upset at the way last year ended. But remember, they won the Stanley Cup a year before. And there were obviously some things going on with that Washington team. Uh, It wasn't quite the same as that magical run they had the past season. Really, it's pretty much the same team aside from a couple changes. They did trade Matt Niskanen to the Flyers for Radko Gudis. But other than that, I mean, you know, I think it's reasonable to expect that this team is going to be on top of the division once again. You still have Braden Holtby, who is, I think, one of the most underrated elite goalies in the league because, you know, guys like Price, Rene, Vasilevsky, these guys get all the talk. But meanwhile, Braden Holtby has put together a really nice career and, of course, won a Stanley Cup and was outstanding for the Capitals during that run. Here's the thing with Holtby is I think Holpe would get more recognition if the team in front of him wasn't just just so darn good. Because if you look at a team like the Montreal Canadiens for comparison, Carey Price really sticks out because how many shots does he face? How many times a year does he face 30-plus shots a game and is making spectacular game-saving shots? Where Braden Holpe, he's just solid in net. He knows the team in front of him, for the most part, will be good in front of him, and play good defense. And, of course, every goaltender has to make an outstanding save now and again, but Holby's just so solid in that, and I think that's what 
makes him so popular among Washington fans is you know what you're going to get out of him day in and day out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I did want to mention that they did add Richard Ponick. I don't know about you, but I was a little surprised that they had waived Christian Juice and he went unclaimed. So, you know, they certainly dodged a bullet there. That's a good young defenseman that I was really surprised that no team claimed. Yeah, uh, you get those type of waves now and again where guys like Judas will go on the waiver wire and you think, what did Washington or whoever just do, right? Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, they dodged a bullet there. And I think we'll see him come up again at some point this year. I think with the way he plays and the way he played in Hershey last year, it's, he'll be up again. I'm not too worried about that. It's just a question yep. of whether he'll stay. Well, remember, he has to go through waivers. So the question for the Capitals is, do you keep him in the AHL? Or is he at a point where, you know, maybe you consider trading him? Because obviously he's they don't feel he's good enough to make the roster right now. And, you know, that may be true. So... You know, is is the player okay with starting the season in the minors and playing there and potentially playing for another team down the line? Or it'll be really interesting. But this is a big year for the Capitals because if you look at next offseason, they have some big-time contracts that will be up. And I mentioned Braden Holtby. Braden Holtby, this is the last year of his contract at $6.1 million. He'll be a free agent to be, and you can bet, a lot of teams will be interested in Braden Holpe, and he's definitely going to get a raise from that $6.1 million. Oh, absolutely. With a Stanley Cup under his ring and the way he's played throughout his career, he, he'll be due for a good extension. And not only is Holpe up for uh, an extension, uh, Nicholas Backstrom will be up for an extension too. Currently right. earning yeah. $6.7 He'll hit the... UFA market potentially next summer, and I think he'll be due for a raise as well. And don't forget, Ovechkin, it's only two more seasons, and then he'll be a UFA in the summer of 2021. So you, you, yeah. have, to start, you have to start thinking about that over the next year because, of course, it's still two years, but you and I both know with superstar free agents – you may need those two years to get a real good contract done. And I have no doubt that Ovechkin's be a, going to be a capital for life. I don't, I'm not too worried about that. It's just a matter of what the dollar sign will be. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think the only question is, does he play out those two years and hang it up? Or does he want to try and break someone like Gretzky's goal record and continue playing? Because if I was Ovechkin and I didn't have any injury concerns the next couple years I would probably just play it out until I felt like I wasn't at the level I needed to be and I don't think he's going to pull a Yarmir Yager on us where he plays until he's <laughs> really until old. he can't <laughs> <laughs> but I think he did bring up a point um, when asked uh, this summer in an article in the athletic that he might retire in two years and I there's been a lot of early retirements, not just in the NHL, all over sports. Andrew Luck retired because of just so many injury problems. And he was obviously miserable. He just couldn't do it anymore. And I really can't imagine what that's like when, you know, you're such a talented player, but yet you keep getting injured and, you know, painkillers and rehab can only do so much. And, I can't imagine those make you feel good. Of course, you've got Dustin Bufflin considering retirement. And Bufflin, speaking of him, rough player. You know, he's won a Stanley Cup with Chicago. You can understand why a guy like him is considering it because he pretty much he has earned every bit of ice in his career. And he has been in the NHL when it was kind of in its real tough era with guys like Chara, Bufflin, you know, just massive players. And now you've got all these speedy players, but they're still, you know, 
concerns for a player, even though he's in his early 30s. And I do think you're going to see that a little more now. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think we'll start to see a lot more of it now, actually, because I think a big thing driving this is there's been a lot more scientific studies over the past few years, not just in football, but hockey, baseball, basketball, on particularly the players who play that rough style of game and the long-term health consequences of playing a game like that. Of course, we've unfortunately seen far too many former NHLers take their own life because of depression and CTE and whatnot. And I think that that's going to drive a lot of players to retire sooner than they would have 10 years ago because a prime example, Andrew Luck in football. You see a lot of your teammates who keep pushing through and keep playing, but then they have a miserable retirement. And I know a lot of Colts fans are upset at the fact that he retired essentially in his prime, but with the injuries he's gone through and the statistics that show the dangers of playing football and hockey long-term, I don't blame him one bit, and I think we're going to see a lot of players over the next 10 years kind of do a bit of a surprise retirement because they don't want to risk their head health long-term to play two more years of hockey. And yeah, right, I, right. And I think the other thing that's going to decide Ovechkin's fate is what's the situation with the Capitals? I still think they'll be a competitive team in a couple of years, but you know how things can change in the NHL. And if the season ends and the Capitals don't look like they're going to be able to compete for a cup for another couple of years, then if you're Ovechkin, unless you're really close to the goals record and you just want to get that, and that's a possibility, why would you keep playing and risk your health? Yeah, and... You know, the other thing that we I, I think we don't talk about enough as, I guess, broadcasters, if you want to call us that, is these are people, too. You know, they may be amazing at a particular sport and amazing athletes, but at the end of the day, they're just like you and me. So, you know, when a guy has just married, he's got a family, he's 32, and he's already had a Hall of Fame career... Does he really care that much about breaking a record that has stood for a long time? Or is he more concerned over, you know, having a good retirement and staying healthy and not having any issues to deal with that he'll regret years later? I mean, it's, you know, like, I, in my opinion, the long-term gain uh, takes away from the short-term pain in that case. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Ovechkin decides to do in a couple years. And I think talks about him potentially retiring will only increase as that contract gets closer and closer to ending. But for Ovechkin for this year, I don't see any reason why he can't get another 50-goal season and the Capitals can't contend. Yeah, absolutely. When he's healthy, I think 45 to 50 is it's almost in the bag because he's just so... His shot is so prolific, and it's like it's one of those things we talked about this before. It's like it's like an Araldis Chapman fastball. You know it's coming, but you can't stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't matter where he is on the ice. He could be on the power play. He could be in his patented position. Uh, he could be in overtime, even strength. He's always going to have that prolific shot, and if you let him get it off. Unless the goalie makes a remarkable save, it's in almost every time when he gets it off. So Ovechkin, for me, it's I kind of look back at his career and I think of all the players that I've been able to watch, future Hall of Famers growing up, and it really is amazing at the list of guys that you can come up with that we've been privileged to watch that will go down as some of the best players in National Hockey League history. I don't know if you've ever seen Ovechkin warm up, but in warm up, he'll just stand at his patent and shot, and he'll it almost looks effortless, and he'll put mm. off a a hundred mile an hour 
one timer. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to the New York Islanders. This is uh, a yeah. team for me because a lot of people have them taking a step back this year, and I could see it, but at the same time, I mean, you know, they are who they are. They're, they haven't really changed much. The only thing that could really affect how they play, in my view, is is Varlamov the same as Leonard? You know, can he fit into that defensive system? And more importantly, can he stay healthy? That's been the That's my question, question with Varlamov. Because right. his health has always been an issue throughout his career. And I, I have no doubt that Varlamov is a solid goaltender, but if he's hurt, then I definitely see the Islanders taking a step back this year. And the thing with the Islanders is Thomas Grice is the backup goaltender. And Thomas Grice is an okay goalie, but he's not going to give you 60 games. Right. And remember, there were times last year where Robin Leonard really had to bail out the New York Islanders. They were just lost in their own end, and Robin Leonard bailed them out and got them some wins that maybe they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Yeah, I, I think no no one has ever questioned Varlamov's ability. And remember, he's 31 years old. He hasn't really had a healthy season in years. And we know how good he can be when he's healthy. I think a lot of that, I don't know about you, but I think a lot of that comes down to the team medical staff and trainers. You know, I think a lot of the really quality teams deserve a lot of credit for having amazing medical staff and trainers to help these players stay healthy that have maybe had a long injury history. So I wonder if that's a factor with Varlamov and how good the Islanders, you know, training and athletic staff is. And again, I, I don't understand why they walked away from Robin Leonard when they could have just offered him the same contract. Well, that's the oddest It's, very strange to me. Maybe they saw something in Varlamov that they didn't see in Leonard. Maybe. Maybe they thought, you know, that was peak Leonard last year. Maybe they thought he's, you know, kind of a 1A, which, uh, according to the Blackhawks, he might be with Chicago this year. It sounds like they're going to rotate him and Crawford. It'll be interesting to see what happens on Long Island this year. And I do like the fact that the Islanders have gotten more games at Nassau Coliseum. I think they're playing a majority of their home games there this year. I think, in my opinion, the Islanders should have never left Nassau Coliseum. Mm -hmm. Because the Barclays Center is just not meant for hockey. No. And they're now getting a new arena on Long Island as well, so th- that's a big win off the ice this offseason for the Islanders, and I think with guys like Anders Lee and Barzell, and I think is going to have another good year. He got Nelson, and I think that the Islanders are going to have a good season again this year. I, I do think so too, but part of me thinks that the teams around them have improved so much that it's going to be much tougher than, for them to make the playoffs this year, but at the same time, I look at their division and I think of only, you know, maybe one to two teams that could beat them out for a division spot. I look at Carolina and I don't know. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to have the kind of season that they've had before. Like, but at the same time, you know, I look at this Islanders roster and I was like, can they do what they did last year again? Can because it was completely surprising for everyone. And there's not much of a change to the roster. You, Noah Dobson has made the team, and he's a really good young defenseman, so that's exciting for Islanders fans. I think the biggest question, like you said, is can Varlamov stay healthy? How does he play? And the other question I would have is, are they going to be able to re-sign Matt Barzell, who's an RFA next year, and is going to have a big payday? Yeah, it'll 
be interesting to see what the Islanders do. I I definitely see them in a playoff spot, just like the Capitals, but I don't see them as high as they were last year. I think they'll win a good amount of games, but I don't think they'll be as high as second in the Met. Right, because if you look back at last year, I mean, you look at the standings, you had Washington at 104, Islanders 103, Pittsburgh 100, Carolina 99, Columbus 98. These teams, there's four teams within five points of each other. And I think it's going to be similar this year. Plus, you've got the improved Flyers, Rangers, Devils. Man, that that is going to be a fun division to watch this year. We talk a lot about the Atlantic and the Central. But in my opinion, the Metropolitan this year is going to be really fun to watch. There's a lot of competitive teams there. There's no bad teams anymore. No. No. The Metropolitan Division is going to be a very exciting division this year. Anyhow, let's move on to those Pittsburgh Penguins. And some recent news regarding the Penguins. And Penguins fans can breathe a sigh of relief. Sidney Crosby will be good to go for the Penguins home home opener coming up this week. Oh, well, that's great news. And I had a chance to watch his jersey retirement ceremony in Vermouski, and it was awesome. I mean, you could tell he went to that arena and he just kind of felt like a kid again. And, he, he, you know, he's a quiet guy. He doesn't make a lot of appearances in front of the media and stuff like that. But it was just nice to see him kind of be himself. And uh, really, he was kind of in awe, I thought. You know, he couldn't believe it. It's been this many years since he'd been back to Ramuski and... Really cool that they did that for him. Retired number 87. No one will ever wear that again in the QMJHL. And I'm sure that at the end of his career, no one will ever wear that again in Pittsburgh, potentially in the league. But yeah, the Penguins, um, really interesting team again this year. And again, they're just kind of hanging on to these years of contention. Made a couple moves. We mentioned... Uh, in the offseason, they traded Ole Mata to Chicago in exchange for Dominic Cahoon. Uh, Marcus Pedersen is an RFA, and they got him signed for another year. Uh, a couple new guys on the roster, Alex Belchenyak. will be interesting to see what he does after the Kessel trade. Um, and I guess it depends who he plays with. Uh, For me, currently, there, there's there's three guys that you can depend on right now on the Penguins, forward wise, and that's Malkin, Crosby, and Gensel. Everybody else is kind of a wild card. Well, we're particularly Galchenyuk because I remember when he got traded to the Coyotes last off season, and there were high expectations for him, and he never really got mm-hmm. anything done. And even in Montreal, he was always one of those players that was a wild card. He was either on or he was off. And you mentioned uh, you're not quite sure whether they'll pencil him in. Currently on daily face-off. And that, now keep keep in mind daily face-off isn't a uh, true be-all, end-all Bible of line combinations, but it gives you a good idea. They currently have him on the left wing with Malkin and Tanev on the right wing. So Yeah, Brandon Tanev. Is is a guy that I think Penguins fans will really like because he's kind of like a Zach Hyman, where he just does all the little things. And at three point five mil, for a good skater like him, really a good contract. Um, I actually really like that move they made in the off season. But yeah, I mean, it's a huge year for Pittsburgh for a couple reasons. Number one, because most people feel like this is going to be their last year of really competing. Um, And I think both of us feel that they're going to have a lot of trouble making the playoffs this year, despite having Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Latang, etc. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh will be in tough for a playoff spot. And it's not because they're not going to be a a good team this year. It's because the rest of the division, just like... I find them in a similar situation to the Islanders. It's not that they've gotten worse. It's the rest of the division around them has gotten better. Mm. And uh, you and I 
we'll get on the Atlantic Division later, but if they find themselves competing for a wild card spot and there's a real chance that could happen this year, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough with all the competition. And the other thing is that Matt Murray and Tristan Jari, their two goalies, uh, both RFAs next year. More importantly, Matt Murray, just 25 years old. He's 3.75 this year. You have to think he's going to get north of six. And the other issue for them is where is that cap space going to come from? You do have Justin Schultz coming off the books next year. I don't think they're going to bring him back unless he takes a much lower salary. Um, At 5.5, that's just too much for Justin Schultz. But right now, you know, in terms of cap space, you have 1.725 million. And Matt Murray, again, he's going to want a lot of money. And, you know, he's been your guy. I think you got to find a way to get him signed. You got to move some salary around. You know, the most important part of your rebuild, in my opinion, is your goalie. Yeah. And uh, I should say rebuild, team build. Yeah, team build. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Pittsburgh this year. And I'm not going to say they're going to miss the playoffs because the last couple of years, you and I have been saying that, well, they're due for a a downward trend and all this, and they keep finding a way to surprise us. So Pittsburgh, I think they'll be in the playoffs. I'm just not sure where. Well, fair enough. All right, um, let's move on to Carolina. Carolina last year had an outstanding year, 99 points. They got Sebastian Ajo re-signed to a long-term contract, so that's really nice. Made a couple moves in the offseason. They signed Jake Gardner. They also signed... and they brought in Ryan Dezingle. Dezingle, yes, that's it. Oh, I was blanking. Thank you. And they traded for Eric Hollow, basically trading away prospects. So uh, this Carolina team, as long as they can perform like they did last year, and the other thing we should mention is they did trade Justin Falk to the Blues for Dominic Bach and a draft pick. Dominic Bach is a really good young German player. So it'll be interesting to see how the Hurricanes do this season. But in my opinion, they're as good or better than the Penguins. Yeah, well, from what I saw in the uh, preseason from the Carolina Hurricanes, they're they're about the same as they were last year. They're going to play that real gritty style play. They're going to move the puck a lot. They're going to work hard every night, and the bond is still there. That's what's really really good for the Hurricanes is they've still got that very tight locker room from the look of things. They're mm-hmm. going to play for one, for one another. I think that the Hurricanes are going to have another good year. I don't see any reason why they're going to regress. I am curious to see how Peter Morazic's going to do again this year, whether right. he can stay healthy the entire year is a question that remains to be answered. But I, in terms of the forward group and the defensive group, we know they were a young team last year. They're still a young team this year, but they've got a year's worth of experience under their belt, and they've got some playoff experience under their belt, which is crucial. And I think Carolina, I could easily see them getting into the 100-point range this year. Yeah, I think that's definitely attainable. Uh, I did want to mention Martin Nikosh has made the team. And you look at their defense, you know, Hayden Fleury now gets the opportunity he's been waiting for. He's been kind of toiling in the minors, and I think that's good for him. Of course, they got Joel Edmondson back in the Justin Falk trade. But again, it's just a really solid defense. Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin, Jake Gardner, Brett Pesci. And I mentioned Flurry and Edmondson. You know, I I think they're going to play exactly the way they played last year. And you know, this is a fast team that can compete with the best of them. And of course, at the same time, 
you know, they've got great defense. And if the goaltending holds up like it did last year, this is a contender once again. And I think for me, the, the Hurricanes last year were kind of like the reverse of the Buffalo Sabres. Like they were a tale of two halves. The first half, they were good. You know, they got off to a hot start. I don't know if you remember that. They were featured on, I think it was an NBC game against Winnipeg. And then they kind of tailed off a little bit. They settled around close to 500. And then they really got things going in the second half. And they just caught fire. You know, they topped teams like Montreal and uh, Florida competing for that last wild card spot. And I think that, you know, they just kind of scratched the surface of how good they could be. So as long as they play as well or better than they did last year, I don't think there's any reason to think this team isn't in the playoffs. But again, the question is where I feel like they're going to be better than the Islanders this year. And I feel like they have a shot at maybe beating Washington for the division. But I'm going to stay second in the division. Yourself? Yeah, I would say, not to give away my whole standings prediction, but I would go Washington, Carolina for the top two. And you could mix mix those two around depending on injuries and how the teams do. But I'd say Carolina had a solid offseason. They got better. Ryan Dezinkle, from his time in Ottawa, is a player that's either hot or cold. He's a wild card player. And if he can put up 20 goals, that'll certainly help the Hurricanes' case for getting potentially top in the division. So, Carolina, I'm excited to see what they can do this year. The only loss they really had over the offseason is I really don't like those new away jerseys. I know they want to <laughs> I know they want to rebrand, but I agree. I got to say those are bad news. Bad news. But other than that, solid offseason for Carolina. For sure. Okay, let's let's move on to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Ooh, well, we talk, we've talked about teams that have had good and mediocre off-seasons. To me, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, that's got to be a tough off-season. You had Panarin, Duchesne, Bobrovsky, all on one team for a few glorious weeks last year. You scratch yourself into the playoffs. You're not quite sure how they're going to do against a juggernaut in the Tampa Bay Lightnings, and then they just find it. Their core finds it. They finally seem to have something going. They sweep the Tampa Bay Lightning. They give Boston a decent fight, all things considered, and now that's all gone, really. Not saying they don't have some okay players on their roster, because they do. They have Pierre-Luc Dubois, Atkinson, Bjorkstrand. Of course, they've got Nick Foligno, the captain. And I think that for the Blue Jackets, the big question is going to be in goaltending with Corpus Allo in net now. He's going to have some big shoes to fill. Yeah. And like you mentioned, just so many losses. And really, I would say one at significant addition, and that's Gustav Nyquist, who can solidify your top six. But... Again, you look at what they lost. They lost an elite goalie. They lost an elite winger. They lost a top six center and some good depth players. It's going to be tough. I mean, the, the one thing about this Columbus Blue Jackets team that you can't ignore is Torts always has them playing hard. And chances are they will play harder than the team they're playing against, no matter what. It doesn't matter who they have on the roster. And... A part of me feels like it would be silly to dismiss them as a playoff team because, you know, I still know that they're they're a good team and there are questions about, you know, who's going to produce. But again, I, I think despite the subtractions, I still feel like this team is going to be in the fight. I don't know if they're a playoff team this year because – like we mentioned, so many teams around them have gotten better. But they're they're right there and they have they have talented players. You mentioned Dubois. Alexander Tessier will have a full year. He's a impressive young skilled player. And it's kind of like some other teams in the league where we've seen them 
let go of veteran free agents and hand the keys over to kind of the new core. And that's what the Blue Jackets did. But like you mentioned, the biggest question is how does Jonas Corpusalo handle the starting duties? And you do have uh, Elvis Merzlikens, I hope I said that right, as the backup. And apparently the organization is very high on him. But it's it's a tough it's a tough ask to say you know hey Jonas here's the keys you know we're hoping you do something similar to what Sergei Bobrovsky provided us for so many years right yeah it's a big hole to fill and the Blue Jackets the thing that's dangerous with them not only do they have Torts who will work them hard but they've got a they've got very few expectations for most of the league. So right. it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Columbus this year. I don't see them as a playoff team myself, but that's mostly because of the competition around them. Yeah, that's fair. All right. So, so we're, we're kind of in agreement there. You know, they're, they're kind of a bubble team at this point. Um, so let's move on to the next team. And, of course, that is the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, Philly. I had such high hopes for Philly last year, and they disappointed me. And the thing is, I'm hesitant to be super confident on Philly, but I've got good reason to be confident on Philly because I think between last year and this year, Philadelphia has certainly gone better. They've got... They've got a great top six, in my opinion. You got Drew, Hayes, Voracek, Konechny. I think we'll have another good year this year. Couturier, Limbaum. I think that uh, Philly's defense. Now, that's what I've always been very high on, and they've always kind of disappointed me. But, uh, you know, with Provorov and Braun on that top two, I, I think that Philly will be good defensively. They've got. A, a solid goaltender in Carter Hart. That's the big thing that's got got me less worried this year because absolutely, yeah. Because kind of like Calgary, Philly's been struggling to find a solid goaltender for a while now, and now they seem to have one in Carter Hart. And the, uh, my only question with Carter Hart is how is he going to do with the Full workload of an NHL season. Well, speaking of that, um, I don't think they're going to push him to play, you know, way too many games. You know, last year he played 31 games. And really for a rookie goaltender thrown into the fire, I would say he was excellent. 2.83 goals against average, 9.17 save percentage. And I think Flyers fans will tell you that those numbers don't represent how well he played. And you mentioned the Flyers' defense is much improved. They've got a ton of depth there. You know, they added a guy like Kevin Hayes, re-signed pretty much all their key guys. There could be a trade in there. You know, there's talk of them maybe trading Gostas Bear uh, because they don't really need him. Um, but, yeah, I think a reasonable amount of games for Carter Hart is maybe 50, 50-something. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable amount. I definitely don't see him as a 60-game starter yet. I think that's putting a lot on a young goaltender. And I think if you're the if you're the Flyers head coaching staff, you know you know he's still a young goaltender. He'll be he'll eventually be able to start those 60 games, no problem. But as of right now, it's to me it's too big of ask for him and I think Flyers management is smart enough to know that and here's the thing Brian Elliott is a good enough goaltender that if he needs to start 20-25 plus games he could do that Uh, he's not going to be your guy you lean on all the time but if you need him to help you out in a back to back and get you a couple wins in a couple days then I have no problem with that I think Philly will be 
biting at the door this year. Do yeah, you, I, I think, think they... I think they could certainly take Columbus's spot. I mean, they're much better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But just like Columbus, I don't know. Two. The thing is, I'm not a hundred percent sure if they make the playoffs just because of the competition around them. Yeah, that's fair. I think a lot has to. I think I. What I want to see is how they'll do uh, over the first half of the season. I think if we were to redo our seat, our playoff predictions come the middle of the season, if Philadelphia is doing as well as they potentially can, I have no problem putting them in the playoffs. But at the moment, I'm going to say no. But that's more of a flip of a coin. That might as well be a flip of a coin. Whether yeah. they make it or not. Okay, I got a question for you. Yeah? Um, is Claude Giroux the most underrated superstar in the NHL? Now, here, here's my thing with Claude Giroux is I'm a bit biased because he's a local boy. True. I, I quite like Claude Giroux. I've always been a big fan of him. I think his work ethic out on the ice, even if he's not scoring goals, is second to none. Obviously, he's very consistent for at least 20, 25 goals, well over 50 points. He makes people around him better, and he's been a he's been a big part of that Flyers organization for years. And I think he certainly doesn't get as much respect as other players around him. And I think part of that is because the Flyers haven't had a whole lot of playoffs success. Maybe, but uh, you look at his numbers in comparison to other top forwards, and he's right there with all of them. Uh, but again. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that because I, I just feel like he doesn't get enough love as a amazing player in the NHL, you know. And that's partly because of who plays around him and who plays in the conference. You know, there's so many good players. But I think at the end of the day, when his career is all said and done, he'll get the love he deserves. So let's yeah. move on to the uh, a couple teams that are much improved, the Rangers and then the Devils. Let's start with the Rangers. Well, to me, the Rangers won the offseason on paper. Just looking at what they were able to get, of course, part of that is off the uh, luck of the draw with Capo Caco going to the Big Apple. Or, of course, Artemi Panarin, that was the big addition for the Rangers this offseason. And adding Jacob Truba from the Jets for very little in comparison, in my opinion, was very good. They were able to get Adam Fox as well for essentially nothing. Yeah. And to me, that this is a Rangers team that was slowly on the rise and is now a team that I think a lot of people are looking at and thinking this team could potentially be competing for a top three spot in the, the Metropolitan. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you mentioned, they got lucky with the draft pick, but and they didn't tank. You know, shocker there. Most teams tend to tank when they're they're as bad on paper as the Rangers were. But again, for a team that really was lacking roster-wise last year, 78 points, you know, 32 and 36, competitive in most games, great goaltending. And now, again, you, you take that 78 points and you add, you know, Kako. Of course, you add Panarin, Truba, Fox. Like, you know, when you do the math yourself, you think to yourself, how can this team not be, you know, 15 to 20 points better with those significant additions? And again, this this is why we're unsure of teams like the Islanders and Penguins this year. Like, look how much better teams like the Rangers and Devils and Flyers have gotten. Yeah, and uh, I don't have a whole lot of concerns for the Rangers, of course. I am curious to see what Henrik Lundqvist will do this year. I I don't have a whole lot of doubt that he'll have a good year. He's been solid for the last decade plus, and I don't see that, that changing this year. My question is, as I saw, the, and take this with a real grain of salt, Mac, because this was preseason. But from what I saw during the preseason, at least, I found the defense was pretty darn shaky. Really? As I, Yeah, as I said... Take it with a grain of salt because it's yeah, that's preseason. Fair. I mean, it's not that that is the only, I guess, weakness, if you will, because 
you know, other than Truba and maybe Brady Shea, uh, you know, Mark Stahl is very questionable defensively. He's not a great skater. Uh, everybody knows that. Uh, he can be good defensively, but most Rangers fans are not very high on Mark Stahl. Then you've got a guy like Brandon Smith, again, you know, hit or miss defensively. Adam Fox, first year in the league. Uh, Libor Hijek, again, like, yeah, that, that, that is the thing that could prevent them from making the playoffs this year. D'Angelo's decent, but he's not a real, you know, he's not a huge part of that defense. So I think Shea and Troop are going to be relied on for a lot of minutes this year. And I'd say that's pretty common knowledge, especially with their skill level. And I think, here's the thing, I think if the Rangers defense struggles like it did in the preseason... I wouldn't be surprised if we if we see a move made in the first eight weeks of the season. So really early on to improve that defense, because if you're to the Rangers management, you have some pretty high expectations from ownership this year mm. and from the fan base. And you, you'd hate to be dra- dragged down by the bottom four on your D. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. All right. So we're pretty much on the same page with the Rangers. We feel they're a lot better, but they're, the defense is definitely a question mark uh, because, uh, you know, at NHL standards, it's average at best. Um, However, they may be able to just score their way into a playoff right, spot. Right, We've seen right. teams do that for years. The thing is, is that they could make the playoffs, but I don't think with that defense, I don't know. And I know it's a, it's the pre, it's the preview for the regular season, but let's say they make the playoffs. I don't, think with the current defensive core they got they can go for a deep run but mm. you know we we can yeah. always get proven wrong so let's Plus depth down the middle at center is is not great either yeah and that's usually what you need to make a big time stanley mm. cup run but, but i again, will give I don't, I don't think anybody's expecting them to compete for the stanley cup this season are we no but i will give rangers management credit that they don't usually wait on a on making a move. We've seen it time and time again. If they need to make a move, they don't usually wait around. Sometimes it hurts them. Sometimes it doesn't. But I don't see the Rangers, especially if they struggle all the game, I don't see them staying pat for long because they've got expectations and they want to win. But let's head across the bay and talk about the New Jersey Devils, another team that had a very solid offseason. Yeah, I mean, you, you got a guy like Nikita Gusev, <coughs> Um, of course, the big move was P.K. Subban in a trade with Nashville where you really didn't give up much. Basically, Damon Severson, who I, w- I would say most GMs would say he's expendable in a trade for P.K. Subban. Of course, Jack Hughes, first overall pick. So you, just those three guys make them much better. And, you know, Taylor Hall, of course, the big question is he's a free agent to be. Uh, after this season, is he going to re-sign? He has not tipped his hand yet as to what he wants, but from what I've heard, he wants to test the free agent market. Well, I've heard a few reports going the other way that he's willing to negotiate with the Devils, and I think he wants to wait and see how the team will do this year. I think that's a big part of it. Because if he sees the Devils with Hughes and Subban and Heischer are performing well, I think he's more inclined to negotiate to stick around. But if Mm. the Devils struggle like they did last year, I don't see him sticking around. Right. That's that's why it's such a huge year for them. I feel like if they don't have a good competitive year, he is out of there. And there are 30 teams that will try and make room for Taylor Hall because he's that good. So, uh, you know, you look at this team on paper, they did sign Wayne Simmons. You know, they've got a guy like Kyle Palmieri, Pavel Zaka re-signed, of course, Jack Hughes. Uh, Nico Heischer had a bit of a sophomore slump, but I think he'll be better this year with more depth around him. Um, and then... Uh, oh, excuse me. They didn't trade Severson. They still have him. Anyway. Uh, but you've got Corey Schneider and Mackenzie Blackwood. 
in that. And I think most people question if that's good enough uh, for them to make the playoffs this year. When I I know it's kind of like beating a dead horse at this point, but in such a tight Eastern conference, goaltending really can make a difference between playoffs and no playoffs. And I don't know if Blackwood and and uh, and Schneider are enough to put them over the edge. Mm. I like Corey Schneider, but he's a real hit or miss goalie in my mind. He'll have stretches where he's very good, and then he'll have stretches where he struggles. And if you want to compete, you can't have those stretches where you aren't playing at the top of your game. Yeah, I think if anything, it's going to come down to how well does Corey Schneider play? Because like you said, he's been inconsistent. And, you know, three, four years ago, he was one of the best goalies in the league. And, you know, he's had on and off injury problems since then. Obviously, uh, you know, maybe questioning confidence a little bit. But if you can, you know, run a split with Schneider and Blackwood, and they both play well, that's when this team has a real shot to make the playoffs. But if that doesn't happen, I, I just don't see it. As, as much as they've improved, you know, we mentioned how much the other teams around them have improved, not just in the Met, in the uh, Atlantic division as well. Um, I, I'll i say this right now, I, I don't think this is a playoff team. I think it's close. I think they're going to be fighting for a spot, but I don't see it. Yeah, I would agree. I think that they're going to be an exciting, fun team to watch. But when it comes to the back end, I don't think they're quite good enough to get into the playoffs, at least not this year. All right, so that wraps it up for our Metropolitan Division preview. We'll be back tomorrow with our Atlantic Division preview, so stay tuned for that. You know where to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Just look for the red, white, and blue logo. Thank you so much for listening. For Matt, this is Max signing off. Enjoy the games, guys.